right. Well, good morning, church. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be in Ephesians 4 uh, this morning. Um, so if you want to, 4.11 is where we're going to be. We're going 11 through 14. We're going to be talking about uh, growing in the church and kind of uh, as we lay out the map for what the, what, uh, the roles in the church are, uh, how uh, God uh, wants to help us do church, uh, and like what that really means. Uh, so in Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the, uni- to, un- to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge and of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, m- we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. A lot of, a lot, there's a lot in there. Um, Paul, uh, you know, Peter even admits Paul has a lot to say uh, in the Bible when he's referring to him. So uh, just kind of to give you a, 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 by way of an illustration, I, I used to work for, for a, a large software company. I think a lot of you know the name, so I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But um, one of the things that I, I noticed in this place, and it's maybe true across all of corporate America, the focus was how do I get promoted? How do I get to the next level? You know, whether it's money, status, whatever it is, I need to get to the next level. In fact, this company has workshops on how to get promoted. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I'll go to that workshop because I'm here, and obviously that's my point, is to be promoted. Um, so I went to the workshop, and it was, you know, the, the usual stuff. You know, oh, you know, you got to do, do your best and, like, make sure your manager's happy, all that stuff. And then one of the people there was, was a manager, and he said, this is how I know. I basically give people, I treat people like they're treading water. And I give them a brick. And if they can hold that brick, I give them another brick. And I keep giving them bricks until they, until they, until they can't hold them all. And that was, that was, that was his opinion on, on how you know if somebody's ready for promotion. Uh, and then, and, and, and it struck me as, that is terrible. Uh, you know, like, um, I just, I just knew that was wrong, and it was probably at that point I should have left the company, but uh, I, I didn't, and I kept trying to juggle bricks and, 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 and tread water, um, and I did terrible at it. It was, it was, it was a terrible time. And I think, uh, you know, I bring that up because I think a lot of uh, people can look at, um, look at the church and look at, look at, you know, the life that they're dealing with and what God has for them and think along the same way, like God is this boss who's just like giving me bricks, and I'm treading, and I'm trying to hold them up. And um, that's, just, that's just not the picture that, that he lays out. In fact, he's established his church because I think a better picture of, like, how do you get promoted is how do I help the person next to me? How do I help them do, do better in their job? How do, I, you know, how do I support them? And, like, that's maybe more the manager I wanted versus the one giving me bricks. Um, so God has not saved us to tread water, right? We aren't, he didn't save us and say, okay, here's some bricks. Uh, in fact, if I took the analogy a little too far, I could say he saved us to walk on the water with our eyes focused on him. And he saved us to um, help enable each other in that way through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the giftings that he's given his church. Um, so this morning we're going to look at how Jesus, the ascended Lord of the church, establishes his church and the roles in it uh, to help us to become the unified body of Christ. 
So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you this morning. We want to thank you so much, Lord, for church. Thank you, thank you that you've established it, Lord, that, uh, that we are growing towards that unity to the fullness of Christ, as it, as it says, Lord, and that um, you have given us gifts to build each other up, not to tear each other down. Lord, you've established roles for the equipping for the work of the ministry, which is done by all the saints in your church, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, verse 11 starts out, and he gave, uh, and then lays out all these roles. Uh, the he, of course, if you look up a little bit further, is Christ. Um, and uh, what's important to note is that Christ is on high, giving gifts as a triumph, uh, out of triumph, out of victory, after the cross. He is now capable, he is able to give these gifts because he is one. Um, so if you look at just a, little, a few verses up, you look at 4, uh, 7, and 8, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, oh, I've got the old, old King James, I apologize. He saith, when he ascended up on high, I'd have my phone, but anyways, um, on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. I think the, the point here um, being that... Uh, we're going to go into a, a section that's going to have very specific roles, very specific gifts, but the purpose of those roles and the purpose of those gifts is fed by Christ gives grace to all of his church, right? So we're going to, we're going to single out some roles, but it, it, it can't get lost in the fact that the grace, the gifts that God has given is, is to you guys, to, to everyone in the church. Um, so... As we look at it, um, the purpose of, of the gifts that uh, Christ has given to all of us it continues down to 410. It says that uh, he, may, he might, that he, being Christ, might fill all things. In fact, uh, Paul has been talking about this for a little while. Up in Ephesians 1, uh, 22, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So the church is... His body, Christ's body, the fullness by which he fills all things is the church everywhere. So when we talk about God has given roles, he's given gifts to the church, and that uh, we're going to get into it, uh, that these gifts are so that the church would meet the, the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ is when, when, when the church is everywhere, and Christ is everywhere, has taken over. Uh, that's where we're going. That's, that's the purpose of it, and, and why the, how these gifts are supposed to work out. So between there and here, um, Paul is showing us how this is going to happen, how this is going to be played out, how Christ is going, Christ is enabling us to not tread water, but walk on it, right? So, uh, and he's going to take us from being individual children's to a un children to a corporate unified body of Christ, right? And there's, there's distinct language in here about like this individualism, which individualism isn't bad, but it's, it's the thinking, it's the unity that we're supposed to have in, as the body of Christ filling the world. So it's by God's grace, working through his people, that he has made some apostles, it says, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, remembering that God's grace isn't limited to this group. These roles are for the equipping of the saints uh, to whom all grace is given. Uh, so, why are these roles then? So why does why does why does Paul lay out these 
four or five roles. Um, there are lists of gifts all throughout the Bible where some, these are in those lists. There's like tongues, there's, uh, there's love, prophecy. All these things are laid out in the Bible. So why these specific roles are called out. Um, so I think we should, we'll take a look at each of these roles and kind of like dissect and understand what that means. So the first one is being uh, apostles. Well, the first two are apostles and prophets. And Paul has already mentioned Paul, apostles and prophets in this book. So when we want to know what does he mean, we can look back to that. So uh, if, if you want to look at Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. There's going to be a lot of jumping around today. Um, so 2, 19 and 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we look at these two, if we sing out these two roles, apostles and prophets, we see them as, as, as what we would call foundational roles. These are the roles that... Um, that established the church. Uh, and it's important, uh, I think, because we can say that there's prophecy today, but we don't have a, an office of prophet. And we don't have an office of apostle anymore. These are, these are established roles that were foundational to the church. Uh, and I say that because, uh, well, not only does, does Paul say it here, but the, uh, the requirements to become a, a, an apostle are... Uh, one, that you have to have seen Jesus in the flesh. Two, that uh, you have to spend time with Jesus in that way. And then three, you would be commissioned directly by Jesus. And uh, so the last apostle would have been Paul. There's no um, continuation of that. Uh, some, some churches believe in a, like an apostolic succession. And what that means, they establish their leader as the person who can give out more doctrine, who can, who can essentially change the word or you there's many cults who they, they they come out and they say well we have a prophet and the prophet has laid out this new revelation uh and and that's just it's it's not possible right because uh first of all uh in uh we just went through the requirements for being an apostle and then as far as like being a prophet that can change the word or add a new revelation it says in first corinthians that the prophets are subject to the apostles like any prophet comes along, any commands they give can't contradict what the apostles say. And so those two foundational roles are what we build the church around, right? Um, and so we have the, the, the commands, we have the, the, the doctrines of the apostles and the prophets in the Bible. Uh, in fact, I, I, you, you can look at like just, just the books we have, you know, many of, the, many of them are letters written by the apostles, then we have, you know, Potentially, I know there's controversy over who wrote Hebrews, uh, and you know there's other books like Luke that, that we still rely on. I think those we could we can put those into that into that grouping. Uh, I think if you wanted to look at it further, you could you could also call the Old Testament like more of a prophetic books. And so, like when we get the whole canon of Scripture, that that's what we build our church on. That's foundational to our church, which is why there's such an emphasis. Uh, on, on, on the word of God. So with that in mind, the list continues, right? He says there's apostles, prophets, then there's evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Uh, and I, I keep, I'll use the term interchangeably, uh, pastor or shepherd, it's the same word. But um, So with that foundation of, of, of scripture, with that foundation of what the apostles and the prophets give us, we have to 
evangelize the un unsaved, and we have to teach the church, pastor and teach the church. Um, the church, there can be no church if we're not evangelizing. The, nobody would know, right? There's so much um, bad news out there, right? Like we're, we're talking about, you know, we're concerned about Russia, we're kind of about, concerned about all these things that are going on in our lives. And, you know, I mean, what we have is actually good news. And so that's, you know, we, we call it the gospel, which means the good news. And I don't want to sound trite by saying that, but we have the good news. We have the antithesis to what all the negative is out there. That we have, we have, a, we have a God who's the same God uh, who's more powerful and more present than all of those things. Like, we're reading about Ukraine, but I'm, I'm, I'm far removed from Ukraine, and it's, it's terrible what's going on. But I know that, that God is not. I know that my God is here, my God is there. And so, like... When we, when we talk about how do we, um, when we talk about building up the church, we talk about the good news we have, we have something so much better than what Facebook or any of the news sites can give us. And we need to, we need to, we need to tell people that. And that's where the, the, this, this evangelism comes from. So once we've, um, as we're building up the church, Romans it, uh, describes it this way. So it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? I, I, I never really think about how beautiful somebody's feet are, I, except if I see some really cool shoes. I, I really, especially the bright colored ones. But I love, anyways, that's my thing. But the um, the... Just, like, not only do we think that's weird, but they would have thought that it was gross in, in, in this culture, right? So feet being the most disgusting thing. You can probably think of more disgusting body parts, but they couldn't. It's like the feet are disgusting. Um, and so I think of, uh, you know, when Jesus was having um, dinner uh, at the Pharisee's house, and as he's, he's there, there's a woman who's weeping and, 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 and cleaning off his feet because she's hearing the good news and how beautiful it is. And, and she can't stop cleaning his feet. It's just like, that's it, right? So that's the good news we have to share. Um, so it's pretty cool. So uh, next in the list, we've got the evangelists who are bringing people into the church. We have the pastor, teacher. I'm, I'm grouping those two together, those words, pastor, teacher. I think it's, um, it's, it's important. Uh, some translations of the Bible will actually in, insert the word some. So it says, and he gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and then it'll say some pastors and teachers. There's, there's no distinction there in, in the actual language, the Greek. They're stuck together. And what, what, this, what this means to us is that the primary function of the pastor is to teach. This is, this is what pastors, pastors are, are called to. They're, um, as shepherds, they're called to teach. Um, in fact, we have a picture of that in, with Jesus, who's our shepherd, right? Our shepherd... Uh, it says, um, in Mark 6, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then, and he began to teach them many things. So he sees these people, he sees their need, and, and that they need a shepherd, they need that, that role, and he teaches them. And so these two are kind of, these are married together. So when we say, in fact, uh, a lot of times, uh, we'll just refer to that section as pastor-teachers. 
because the roles are so intertwined. Um, Paul, when um, uh, speaking to Timothy, says to him to preach the word, and then later on he says with, in that same sentence, with complete patience and teaching. So preach the word with complete patience and teaching. It's one of the reasons why teaching is so important, I think, uh, in the church. You'll see all of the pastors get an opportunity up here to teach. It's, it's essential. Um, and we're, we're going to get into further down the list as why, as what the purpose of the teaching is. But if, if, if I were to define teaching here, I would say teaching is the open explanation of all the reality implied in the gospel. Teaching is the open explanation of all the reality implied in the gospel. And, um, so in order for the church to grow to the fullness of Christ, we need to be taught the gospel and all of what it means and how it applies to our lives. And um, so what are those implications? In Ephesians 1, a little bit higher, right? It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we are inheritors, we are children, we are called to unity, we are called to all the things that Paul has been laying out along this journey are the things that we should be, be taught. And that's what, that's, um, that's it. So Christ gave, again, these foundational, foundational revelations so that we would be, go out and tell the world and gather them into flocks where shepherds devote themselves primary, primarily to teaching so that we grow into the fullness of Christ. So the next question would be, so um, how do we get evangelists or pastors, uh, pastor teachers? Uh, when it says that Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church, is this just like a role? Like just, we're just looking for like, like I, I opened with uh, talking about how I, you know, was struggling at her job, and it was like, is, are we just looking at a pastor as just like, here's another job to fill, here's an open position, come on in, uh, or like, uh, what does it really mean to be a pastor to a, to, to a flock? Um, to put it another way, is there a call to a ministry, or is there just, just, just uh, an open, like, uh, personal ad? Uh, so, in Acts 20, uh, 28, it says, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. So evangelists and pastors are called to specific flocks. I'm called to be a pastor here. Justin and Nick are called to be pastors here. Um, and uh, so to kind of give you some of my history, uh, I... Um, I, want, I had the desire in my heart to become a pastor, uh, must be definitely over 10 years ago, but many, for, for many, many years. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even living in this state. Uh, and, but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I knew that like, this was what God was putting on my heart, but I, I, I was fighting him over it. Uh, and I think, we've, you know, I, I think you know what that's like. Uh, it was just when, when you have this desire and you're like, is it a good desire? You know, why am I doing this? You know, my, my dad's a pastor. Am I doing it just to please him or to be like him? Am I, you know, I have, uh, you know, um, so as, as God had told me this, he also had to fulfill it in time. And so not just that I was called to be a pastor, but obviously, but he had a plan for me called to be a pastor here. 
In fact, uh, along the journey between then uh, and between when I first heard the call and, and today, uh, I had several opportunities come, come into, my, into my realm to become a pastor. Uh, I had one, one church where God, I was uh, leading worship at, and God had told me, it's time for you to move to a different church. I was like, okay, God, that's, that's super weird. Um, I mean, he had, he had led me to other churches, but, you know, I was, was plugged in. It, was, it just felt weird, but I was going to obey God and move on. Uh, and uh, so I called up the pastor. I said, hey, we got, we got to talk. I know, you know, I'm like leading worship here, but, you know, we got to talk. He said, oh, good. I wanted to talk, talk to you as well. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, so maybe he's hearing the same thing, which would be awesome. Uh, confirmation. But uh, instead, uh, he sat down and uh, he said, well, uh, we want to, he and his wife, was like, we want to give you the church and we're going to step down. And, and I thought, wow, that sounds like exactly what God has been laying on my heart. But also, I'm pretty sure God told me that I had to leave. So, uh, you know, it was like, I think I need to be obedient to God. And so I did. But that was a chance to become a pastor of a flock. But it wasn't the, it wasn't the right, it wasn't where I needed to be. Um, unfortunately, it turned out that uh, I found out later that he wanted to step down because he was actually dealing with uh, unrepentant sin in his life, and he was disqualified, um, which was sad. Um, he's since repented, but uh, but the uh, the church that I was called to pastor was not that church; it was this church, and um, so we see that these roles are for specific churches. So if God is, is stirring that in, in, your, in your heart at all, or if God is like saying, hey, you know, we're going to do this together, whatever it is, trust in him, let his timing work it out, and, uh, and, and you know, you'll be in the right place. So it's, when it says that he gave some apostles and prophets, we see that as foundational, as established but when it talks about the evangelists and the pastor teachers, we see that as continual. These, these, are, these are people that he's raising up, he's working on, and he's, 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 he's giving to the churches today. John Piper describes the pastoral call like this. He says, the call of God is the recurrent, Bible-saturated, prayer-soaked, church-confirmed, finally irresistible desire to see Christ exalted and people saved and brought to maturity through your work. So, we've got the roles. Um, so, in 12, it says what, what, they, what they do, right? What, what pastors do. It says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for, the, for building up the body of Christ. So, all the roles are required for equipping saints, the foundation roles, the pastor, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. But the fifth role, I, it's not laid out as a role, is that the grace is given to all, and this is what church looks like. The ministry is for all of us. Not just there's the guy up front ministering, but it's for all of us. Um, the, uh, there's some un unfortunate translations of the Bible that put a, put a little... Uh, comma, uh, in between 11 and 12, they say, you know, um, say that it's the pastor's job to do the ministry, and I think a lot of us can attend church in that manner, too, like, uh, show up Sunday, leave, right, but that's not where, church doesn't, doesn't just live between a Sunday, between an hour on Sunday, church is meant to be life, uh, 
And so a lot of times we're using the term, we've, we use the term heavily, I think a lot of people do, of life together, describing like how we want to do church. And that's, um, that's what it means, right? And so when, uh, when we talk about all those other gifts that, that aren't mentioned here, we talk about, I think there's more gifts than are, than are mentioned in the Bible, frankly. I think that God has, gift, has gifted us with so much more. And so much, way, so many ways to do. To I think there's like gifts of administration or things like that, and um, which might sound boring to some of you, but somebody loves it. Um, so the purpose of that, of the work of ministry, is it leads to the building up of the church, and the goal of the church being built up is to the unity of the knowledge of Jesus. So teaching is essential to the equipping. And this takes us to maturity and to stop being children vulnerable to strange doctrines. So the Greek, um, if we look at that word just for a minute, equipping, the Greek word for equipping is used when mending nets or when um, providing for needs. Uh, so it means that the pastoral teaching provides what is missing and it provides uh, and it repairs bad ideas based on the doctrine. And that's why it's essential. Um, In 1 Peter uh, 4.10, it says, As each has received a gift, to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of, that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So again, the, the work of the ministry is actually what, what we all do together. Jesus actually set this pattern for us. Again, uh, it's important that we always go back, I think, to Jesus to kind of take a look at what this is. But in Mark 10, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to, serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So as the church, how we're supposed to operate is find a need and fill it. It's pretty easy. Find a need, fill it. Um, we're to join Jesus in serving all Christians. Come alongside, Right? Um, until, and, we're, and, and the point is that that builds up the church. It starts to pull those bricks off, right? No, I'll help you with that. And it, it starts to um, build up the church until we are fully matured in Christ. So um, Ephesians, so also this doesn't mean that uh, everything that somebody asks me for, I give them, right? I think I want to be clear that it's needs that we're filling. It's not wants. Um, and Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way uh, into him who is the head into Christ. So that's, we'll, we'll be covering that next week. But uh, Paul says that the body has grown up and built through speaking truth in love, and this leads to unity. I think it's important that um, we, we, we say that a lot, I think. I think if you're around, a, there's a lot of common terms we use as Christians, but, you know, we'll, hey, we'll speak the truth in love. But I think it's super important. I had this amazing opportunity. Actually, every time I'm, I, you know, I, I, I do get out of Seattle a lot. Um, and every time I'm out there, people are like, oh, you're in Seattle. That's hard. I'm like, huh, is it really? I don't know. Like, um, and uh, so every time I'm out there, I get to brag on you guys. Uh, and, and so, like, uh, I, the reason I'm explaining this is 
I got to talk about how we were the church here uh, during the chop. I, mean, I got to talk about how we were the church here, you know, during, during all this stuff, uh, all the stuff that's been going on, uh, all the unrest, and how what's been important, what's been distinctive of our church, I think, is that we do the truth in love together. Uh, and um, because if you, if, you, if you look at it, you could have the love and no truth. And that's just a lie, right? I love you so much, but I don't love you enough to tell you the truth. Or you can look at it a lot of times, and you know, the church has been uh, um, guilty of this for a long time, but you can have the truth with no love. And that's just a sledgehammer. You're just beating people over with the truth. No, no, no. They have to work together. You have to, you have to love somebody enough to bring them the truth. Um, so, yeah. Um, and we are to continue doing this until we attain, in verse 13, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's two unities laid out here, right? There's faith, the unity of faith, and the unity of knowledge. So the unity of faith is us believing the truth together, and the unity of knowledge is, us, um, is our understanding of what that truth is. So we can know the truth and ha- have no love for it, no unity for it, no faith in it. Right? I know the truth, but I don't really believe in it. And, you know, I always think of those guys that memorize the Bible, but it's just another book to them. I'm always impressed, but I'm like, you're not applying that. You're not using that. Um, and then you know, we, can have, we can love the truth and not actually have unity in uh, the knowledge of what that is. Right? I, I believe in the truth, but you know, my Jesus is different than your Jesus. So it's, we need these things together, and that's... Um, the goal of ministry is that both of these things are true. We know, we know, we all know that the same. We all know the same truths about Christ, and we all experience and love the same Christ. So it says, uh, we are to do this until we attain unity. Uh, so does that mean that then that we are we're going to find perfection here? And uh, I think it's it's important. The answer is no. We're going to continue this until Christ comes. If you look at uh, Philippians 1.6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this is a continual journey, and we'll continue on until Christ returns. That's when we'll have perfect unity. But between now and then, he is con- continuing to work on us. And the goal of our unity is to display maturity. Not only just maturity, but it says mature manhood. Um, and uh, to conform to the fullness of Christ. So the word for man here uh, is not humankind. It's not to reach the maturity of, 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 of all humans. It's actually very specifically male manhood. And why that's important is because it's referring to Christ. Until we reach uh, the unity of Christ, that maturity of Christ is where we're going. Uh, it says uh, in Ephesians yeah, one twenty two, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, f- who fills all in all. Paul defines that mature manhood is the fullness of Christ. And so we have to be, we want to be prepared and ready for when Christ returns. And as he does, there will be a perfect match there between us. Um, so the fullness of Christ, the, 
what this looks like, what this, what this church that takes over the world looks like as a church that is, uh, will both proclaim and embody the gospel. This kind of church will demonstrate supernatural unity and will reach out with love that, uh, and be a light to the world. This kind of church won't just talk about Jesus, but will be Jesus in every time and every place. That's who we're called to be. And um, he, he, it's through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the operation of his church, it's through the foundation of his gospel. It's through the, through the teaching of, uh, that, that he's given to us, through the evangelism. It's through all these things that Christ has made, is making the unity that we are going towards possible and attainable. Um, and for, uh, So moving on to 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried uh, about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So the result of the church operating correctly, the result of the church that Christ is, is enabling to operate the way we should is that um, we will build each other up and we will be matured. There will be no things coming along and... and, and no schemes, no um, confusion, no lies, none of the things that come, come in here that, uh, that, are, um, that, that children are subject to. I think uh, one of the things that uh, we do is we try very hard to protect our children um, because there's so many things out there that they're unaware of or un unable to handle or um, unable to uh, to deal with. I know my, my dad used to tell me this story, like I grew up in the uh, 80s, if I were to date myself, uh, and um, there was, it was, I did a lot of stuff that I wouldn't let my kids do today. I used to, used to ride my bike down, you know, just out in the middle of the neighborhood and just like all the way down, and um, there was one time, you know, I used to walk, uh, I don't know, I'm a kid. I had short legs. It probably wasn't as, as, as far, but it felt like it was forever to get to the bus. Uh, anyways, uh, so I'd have to walk like down a few blocks up to the, to the park and get on the school bus. And uh, I, was, I was doing that every day. Uh, and this was kindergarten? Kindergarten. First grade. Anyways, uh, the point being that, you know, I would do that and my parents would just let me do it. And then uh, one, uh, one morning my dad decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Andy to school today. Uh, and so he did, and as he did, as, as we left together, um, he noticed there was a car sitting there waiting out at the, at the end of the street where I would have gone, and as soon as he came out, the car sped off. Yeah, it's, um, so it's like that, but, you know, me, being a little kid, I wouldn't have known anything, wouldn't have known any of this, and so, like, we, we try to protect our children um, because... I would have been taken up, swept up, and taken away in a, in a, to a place that I didn't want to go. And Paul is laying out uh, what, what is basically storm-like language. He says waves and wind, and these are things that take you in a direction that you have no control over. You, you don't know where you're going versus um, where um, we are supposed to be growing as children is, is growing in maturity and growing able to, to identify these things. This is a bad situation. This is a good situation. This is, you know, as we have. And so 
as we grow into that maturity and that unity, we get uh, away from this, I'm a child who can be taken where I shouldn't go, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a mature adult who uh, can be empowered to, to, to be there for, for the other children and to help kind of grow us together. And I can reach into your life and say, hey, you know, this, this, this thing that you're, you're doing is, is actually tearing you away from God. Or, hey, this, this, um, you know, this thing that you, if you keep down this path, it's, it's going to be bad. So we as the church, we reach into each other's lives, we serve each other, and, uh, and we, we work towards the unity uh, of that. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, Brothers, uh, 14.20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be, and it says, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And it's important, I think, um, we aren't supposed to go pursue evil so we understand it. We're supposed to be wary of it. We're supposed to be um, mature of it, but it's not something we go, oh, well, you know, I want to I learn about this sin so that I can minister to people. No, that's, that's garbage. Uh, I think uh, it's, it, it, if you can learn from your own mistakes, that's great. If you can learn from other people's mistakes, that's even better. Uh, because there's no reason for, for us to go into sin to understand it when we know that it's wrong. And what we can do instead is study the truth and study uh, and, and invest in our lives um, in pursuing uh, God and good things. It says, um, so immature thinking will make you vulnerable. We're... Um, so as we're called to be in our thinking mature, he talks about um, the three things laid out there, that there's human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes, which are the things that we are to avoid. I, uh, now, this, this, this is a little bit different. Um, when I'm looking at this and I'm trying to go through the Bible, okay, who's, who's, who's out here who's been attacking the... Uh, Attacking the Christians, who's who's been coming up with false teachings and things like that. I I think uh, you have we have the the Judaizers, right? The people who came along after following Paul around and saying, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to get circumcised. You got to bring in all this other stuff if you want to be if you want to be a Christian. Uh, and I don't think that they were trying to tear down the body. I think that think that those people were were truly deceived. They said uh, in saying that, okay, well, you need to do these things. And I believe that these things are ripe, and I'm going to teach you these things. And Paul's like, no, that's, that's garbage. Um, and so I think it's, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is because when I look at, like, false teaching, you, I can't really judge if somebody's heart is into it or if they're actually just trying to fleece the flock. I mean, sometimes you can see that. But, um, in fact, I've, I've tried to, to if, you, if you can think of it like, like this, um, I've tried really hard to be able to identify fake news, which is the term, right, they use. And, uh, and I think probably we all have. We're like, I, I can read this news site and it's not gonna affect me. But the truth is that there are algorithms, the computers, now I sound like a conspiracy theorist. The, um, the, uh, the system is designed for, to, to, to give you that dopamine hit of like, oh yes, I wanna click on this, I wanna click on this, and what will happen is you'll get stuck into these echo chambers of, of information, uh, and you will be sucked in, and it's not like the system is trying to, trying to attack you and give you bad ideas. The system is just responding to your interaction with it to give you ideas that you will click on. Uh, and so in the same way, I think that, uh, not that false teachers are forgiven for what they're doing, but I think that there's something underneath that. The system, 
um, being the spiritual warfare, being because the, there is somebody who's who, who's called out in the Bible for scheming, for being deceitful, um, and that would be the devil. We see the same language of scheming in Ephesians six when it talks about the armor of God. It says, "Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil." And so, I think um, if I were to put this all together, it would be that um, we, are, we are to be in church. We are to be in a church that is teaching the word. We are to be in, in a church that is teaching the word as ba- founded upon the apostles' doctrine. Uh, and I'm, I'm plugging us from that, regardless of where we're at, is going to take us like children swept on um, and into places that we, we, we don't want to go and that aren't safe and lead to pain. Uh, so the picture for what our church should be and picture for what a healthy church should be is grounded in the foundational revelation of the apostles and prophets, one that spreads the gospel, evangelizes, one that has pastors that primarily teach and uh, the things to equip the church and to serve each other so we might grow until Christ's return and we are all perfected in him. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we just we want to be that church, Lord. We want to be growing each other. We want to be serving each other, Lord. We want to find needs and fill it within each other, Lord. We want to pray that uh, you would um, use us, Lord, to, to, to evangelize this community, Lord. We thank you so much for the gifts that you've given to the church, and I just, I'm excited to see us all just use those gifts and that grace that you've given to us all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.